Welcome back to the Crone of Temple, Texas. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Barbara Wenlin read portions of her Connections articles and our discussion. I know I have thoroughly enjoyed working with Barbara on producing these episodes. If you've been listening for a while, you'll appreciate the fact that many times these episodes start out with a conversation on a metaphor or a particular thought Barbara has pondered over for years, but we inevitably end up talking about very deep and significant issues that need to be considered. Today's episode is no different. At Christmas, it's easy to miss the point about Jesus, Barbara says. When we see him as a cute baby, we may forget what he grew up to be and do. We begin our episode today talking about the traditional cute baby Jesus, but we end on issues of our time, including climate change, a woman's right to her own body, and even how vaccinations are handled. We hope this episode encourages and challenges you in your view of Christmas. Here's Barbara Wendland. The time of year when churches give special attention to the coming of Jesus is an especially good time to reconsider how Jesus' teaching and example apply to the world we live in. At Christmas, it's easy to miss the point about Jesus. When we see him as a cute baby, we may forget what he grew up to be and do. Focusing on the baby Jesus can help us remember instead if we let it. It can remind us of the great potential that all babies represent. It can remind us of the need to care for the many babies and children in today's world who won't realize their true potential without our help. If focusing on Jesus as a baby has that result, it can help us follow Jesus more closely. Buying Christmas gifts for babies and children in our families can also be a helpful reminder if we let it. Our Christmas gift-giving to friends and family can easily be an end in itself, but it needs to be instead a reminder to help the children and adults whose needs are much greater than those of our immediate family and circle of friends. It can remind us of the love and justice Jesus called his followers to show to the world. And the help that's needed is usually more than giving Christmas gifts to needy people. It's likely to include working to change the conditions that cause the people to be needy. Baby Jesus was probably cute and cuddly like most other babies, but that aspect of Jesus isn't what's important for our faith and our efforts to follow him. Baby Jesus was important not because he was cute and sweet, but because he became the adult who brought salvation and showed the world what God was like. That's why Christmas is an especially good time to look at the world around us and ask ourselves what God wants us to do about what we see. If we're willing to hear God's answer when we ask what Jesus would do, we may see Christmas in a new light. If Jesus lived where we live, he'd probably address some problems that didn't exist or at least weren't widespread or widely recognized in the first century. Pollution, destruction of forests and wildlife, and many others. I expect Jesus would also have a lot to say about our day's controversial subjects like racism, sexism, abortion, and homosexuality. 
even though he evidently said little or nothing explicit about them when he lived on earth. I suspect that following Jesus with regard to these subjects would require taking stands that quite a few church members now oppose. More than having and expressing certain beliefs or following religious or social tradition, Jesus emphasized rescuing people who were mistreated because of economic conditions, social customs, or physical differences. People are still mistreated for these reasons, and Jesus still calls his followers not just to do good deeds for suffering individuals, but also to work actively toward eliminating the causes of their suffering. That's undoubtedly a big part of what Jesus would do in our world, and therefore wants us to do. At Christmas, uh, it's easy to miss the point about Jesus. What do you feel like uh, most people and most churches make Christmas about? I think they make it about Jesus having come into the world as a little baby and being laid in the manger by his parents, the traditional Christmas story from Luke and other parts of that traditional story that are in different ones of the Gospels, the kind of things that typical church Christmas pageants include. I think most church members' observance of Christmas is tied very strongly to nostalgia, sentimentality, and familiar customs and traditions that go with our observances of it rather than uh, about what the significance of the coming of Jesus into the world really was. And I don't think they think very much about what Jesus did or advocated or called people to do as a grown man. And yet, I think that is simply the most important, that being a cute baby is not it, but it makes a nice Christmas pageant and it gives the little children in the church something fun to do and maybe engraves that Christmas story in their minds somehow. I don't think they give a lot of thought to what the adult Jesus did. You point out the fact that many people see Jesus as a cute baby, which for anyone who's seen the popular movie Talladega Nights instantly sees the connection. But what is it about the typical view of Christmas that keeps Jesus as a baby? Because babies are cute and we love them and just all babies are cute and fun to to see and to be around. It's just, it's more of that sentimentality. Do you think there's any connection to the fact that most people want a God they can control? Yes, I think that's probably true, that seeing Jesus as a baby lets us feel like we have a God that we can control because we can do that for a baby. If you think of a, of a baby, certainly adults can, in general, control the baby. It's not in the other direction where the baby has any real influence on the adult people like church members. Can you talk a little bit about who Jesus grew up to be and what his life represented? Well, I think he grew up to be 
an example, a model for how God wants people to act. He grew up to be a human man whose behavior exemplified justice and peace and love, compassion, the qualities that God wants all people to display. Focusing on baby Jesus can help us remember instead if we let it. It can remind us of the great potential that all babies represent. Can you talk about the potential that all babies represent? How would someone, you know, so to speak, speak into a baby to help them grow into the fullness of that person? Every baby is the beginning stage of a grown person. And the baby, if it develops in its best possible way, grows up to be a person who maybe can make a contribution to the world in some sense by doing whatever the grown person is able to do. And for Jesus, it was to demonstrate a life of love and compassion and justice. So in what ways would you would you say that as adults, we have the ability to inspire a child to grow up and change the world? Oh, yes. I think that as adults, part of our calling is to inspire babies and children to grow up to realize their greatest potential to uh, change the world in some way, if that happens to be possible, but certainly to set an example to the people around them of what being loving and compassionate and just means. Yeah, it's interesting. I tell my children, you know, I I want them to change the world, but I also want them to change someone's world. Uh So maybe they can't change the whole world, world, (laughs) but they certainly can change people's lives. Yes. It can remind us of the need to care for the many babies and children in today's world who won't realize their true potential without our help. Talk about how caring for the children of the world fulfills the Christmas spirit. I think that caring for the world's children fulfills the Christmas spirit by helping all those children to develop into grown people that act like Jesus in a sense, that display love, compassion, justice, and make that apparent to whoever they're seen by. Barbara, you state that our Christmas gift giving to friends and family can easily be an end in of itself, but it needs to be instead a reminder to help the children and adults whose needs are much greater than those of our immediate family an even close circle of friends. It can remind us of the love and justice Jesus called his followers to show the world. So can you compare or contrast what you believe Christmas gift-giving has become in relation to what it could or even should become? I think our Christmas gift-giving largely is something that we do for our own enjoyment and for the enjoyment of the people to whom we give the gifts. If we know something that a member of our family particularly wants, it's not fun to give it 
that to them as a Christmas gift. Um, it's fun to, oh, to have Christmas packages, to wrap them up and put them under the Christmas tree and open them on Christmas. And all of that is just enjoyable. But that's not the real point of Christmas, I think. I think more important would be if we remember to give gifts to the people who especially need them and give them in a form that is usable to meet their needs. It needs to retain the dignity of the recipient and also to retain the dignity maybe of the giver, um, not just to be like having a whole Sunday school class descend on a so-called needy family at Christmas, but uh, do something for them well, ideally, to do some helpful things for them year-round. But also um, to do something in a way that, well, it doesn't just go barging into their house, but really treats them in a way that they would feel comfortable about. And it also is more like just making a visit that we might make to someone we knew. Well, I think, you know, uh, sort of what you're getting at is don't make it a project that is something that you just happen to do on, you know, during the Christmas season. Uh, how are you developing the relationship throughout the year that you're aiding somebody and helping right. them? Um, How are you seeing what they really need and what would really be helpful to them? And that may not be just a Christmas basket. And that may be part of it, certainly. If they're in need of food, uh, a Christmas basket could certainly be helpful. But there's, there's other things that are that affect would affect their life from day to day, really, that could be more important. Do you have ideas of that? Do you have examples of what you feel like could help somebody throughout the year? Well, I think if there's somebody um, in the family that needs a job to earn money, it would be to help them find the job and to help them get additional education, if that's what's keeping them from successfully holding a job, maybe. Like if some of the children need help to get their schoolwork done, that may include finding a tutor or a helper of some kind to help with that. Uh, if the parents need educational assistance, then it can be partly that. Um, if they need housing, it's helping them to find uh, a house and not be homeless, not just a drop-in gift of some kind, 
but to see what is it they need to live their day-to-day life effectively. Do you have any knowledge of this concept that um, the greatest poverty people have is relational poverty, that they just don't have the the network and systems Mm -hmm. in place? And so a lot of times uh, helping somebody is really just about putting them in in connection with people that may be able to help them in some way. So yes. not everybody can go out and help somebody find a house or pay for their house or you know not every not every recipient is um able to you know immediately get a job because maybe they have childcare needs. And so right. a lot of times it's looking at the broader picture to see what is the system, what's the people around them that can surround to help really elevate somebody. And putting them in contact with the people in the system who could help them with whatever aspect of it is that they need. And unfortunately, I'm inclined to think that so much of our giving during Christmas season it's really about making ourselves feel good. Oh, yes, I think that's true, that we want to feel like we're doing a good thing. And maybe we are, but the point to it for us personally may be primarily to feel good about doing something good. I'm especially drawn to the sentence, Barbara, where you say, Christmas is an especially good time to look at the world around us and ask ourselves what God wants us to do about what we see. If we're willing to hear God's answer when we ask what Jesus would do, uh, we may see Christmas in a new light. Why do you believe Christmas in particular is a good time to ask these questions? Well, it's a good time because... It makes us aware of Jesus and of what kind of things he did. And so that would help us see injustice that was affecting someone and that we needed to help correct. I think we could also look at it in context about how we can be the gift to the world. Love can be a gift. Hospitality to refugees, tender embrace of homosexual care for our land. Yes. And I think also looking at it is, it's not that just that Jesus was a gift to mankind, it's what is what is your gift to mankind? Yes, that every one of us has some talents, some abilities and so forth that, that we can give as opposed to just giving things. We can give what we're able to do to make the world a better place. Like I said, it's how can I as an individual be a gift to this person? Mm -hmm. Because maybe they don't have monetary need. Maybe money isn't what their problem is. Maybe they're broken because, you know, they are alone in a land that they don't know. You know, maybe they're an immigrant or they're a refugee Mm -hmm. and they don't have a knowledge of the customs here, or they don't have an easy connection to a community base. Uh, Maybe it's somebody who feels betrayed by the church. And so even just your, your tender love or your compassion or your willingness to sit in the, the dark places of doubt 
um, with them and not judge them, maybe that is the gift that you're called to give. Mm-hmm. If Jesus lived where we lived, he'd probably address some problems that didn't exist or at least weren't widespread or widely recognized in the first century. What do you believe Jesus would, uh, would say about topics like racism, sexism, abortion, and homosexuality? Well, I think that he would say we need to work to do whatever it takes to um, combat inequality of the type that causes people to look down on people of, that are different from them, whether it's of a different race or a different nationality or whatever it may be. But also, I think certainly an issue like abortion is is very important to consider um, what are we personally really called to do about it. I mean, um, I've never had an abortion myself, and I'm not likely to encounter that personally. But um, to me, for abortion is that um, nobody has any right to tell a woman what to do with her personal body. But you understand the pushback that many Christians are going to have on that, yes. on the argument of it being the sanctity of life, that the other side of it is it's, it's viewed as a, as a murder. Right, but I think that that part of protecting lives is to help those lives all grow up to achieve their potential. And just helping one to be born isn't necessarily enough to accomplish that if we don't help um, everyone who's born to have the necessary food, clothing, and shelter, for example, to grow up into a, a healthy, functioning person. I think a lot that we've become especially aware of today that is evidence of climate change and is doing a lot of damage uh, certainly needs the help of all of us in whatever way we can help whether it's to help cut down on the use of carbon fuels by driving a different kind of car, or um, if it's working to keep the forests and animal life from being destroyed. Those, I think, are all a part of preserving and protecting the earth. And we don't always think of those as something directly related to the church, but it does seem to be related to the church and what the church is supposed to do. I think what I would say about it is that we, we have an ethical responsibility to care for the land in which we live. Yes. And we can't, we can't allow 
political differences to um, to get in the way of whether or not we should honestly look at our responsibility for as stewards of the land to care for the land. Right, we have some responsibility for it. No, no matter what show, what form it shows up in, it may not be. Um, just some bill that needs to pass in Congress or um, something like that, but whatever whatever form we encounter it. I suspect that following Jesus with regard to these subjects would require taking stands that quite a few church members now oppose. Yes, well, certainly the different uh laws about abortion fall in that category like many church members oppose um allowing abortion under any circumstances because they believe that the sanctity of life has to do with not killing a life even before it's born. But also, right now, we're having uh, all the disagreement about vaccination for the pandemic, and plenty of church members oppose vaccination. They refuse to get vaccinated. And yet, to me, that is just the height of not caring for the people around you is to refuse to um, do whatever it takes to keep from spreading known serious germs, bacteria, viruses, whatever, uh, to other people around you. And... um, you know, you may not care to be vaccinated, but if you're causing yourself to get a degree, a disease that's very contagious and will harm other people, then I think that's just like lots of other things that are actually uh, mistreating other people. But that certainly is a subject that a lot of church members feel differently about. It'd be interesting to know, just say, in our personal church congregation, how many people have been vaccinated and how many are refusing to be vaccinated, and do they see any connection in that, between that and um, obeying what being a Christian requires? I think it's definitely connected because it has to do with loving other people and treating them with kindness and healing and a lot of other other things that Jesus talked a lot about. He certainly didn't have anything to say about vaccinations, but it's the principle of it of protecting other people's lives is 
is very closely related, I think, to the kind of things that he taught. I think that helping people's um, economic circumstances is certainly an important way of helping people and of keeping them, protecting them from injustice and oppression. And we don't really talk about that very much in our churches, at least any that I'm familiar with. That actually can often contribute to the problem, though, right? Uh, Many times individuals or maybe even churches talk about these issues, but it stops there. Talking about the issues of injustice isn't the same thing as helping someone. So are there ways in which you feel someone can contribute to the solution? I think they can often do it by voting, by becoming aware of what's going on politically and um, how governments are either helping or harming the economic situation of a lot of citizens. And so we can all pay attention to opportunities like that to vote on the side of what will be helpful and not that will make economic inequality quality worse. I think there's also an opportunity for people to recognize that um, that it's it's more complex than just you have worked and attained something. That there's more factors at play. Uh, people have opportunities and access to opportunities Um, based on everything from who they're related to, to the color of their skin, to, you know, what education opportunities they were provided. Um, And so I think even beyond just voting and being aware of, you know, how how your vote can be cast, it's recognizing that there's a disparity and it's a complex issue. It's not as simple as... These people are lazy and don't know how to get a job. Oh, right. Right. It has a lot to do with other aspects of life, like opportunities for education is certainly a big one. And um, just information about how to go about Uh, locating appropriate work and um, knowing how to apply for jobs and all kind of things like that. We started out talking about baby Jesus and how cute he is and we ended up talking about issues of justice which is essentially the uh, the story arc of Jesus's life. He started yes. out as a, a cute baby Jesus, and mm-hmm. his life's work was dedicated to uh, freeing the oppressed. Right. And I think we need to view the Christmas season as one that 
there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with tradition and uh, the sentimental aspects of of uh, the Christmas season, but we can't leave it there. It has to be something that puts us on a path towards what does the adult faith look like, mm-hmm. and that is one of uh, freeing the oppressed and looking combating out for... injustice yes exactly combating injustice i think that's a great way to end this episode i think it's important to state that nobody is suggesting we cancel christmas i certainly don't want to be a scrooge or a grinch nor do i think barbara does but as we discussed it's important to examine the most significant parts of what jesus stood for and does your christmas align with that There's far more to the story than a few wise men and a cute baby in a manger. Thank you for joining us on the Crone of Temple, Texas. If you found this episode worthwhile, please share it with a friend, like our social media pages, and if you haven't already, go to connectionsonline.org to subscribe to Barbara's weekly articles.